100% born in the Appalachian Mountains and made in the USA, Timber Ninja Outdoors provides a range of mobile hunting options to accommodate diverse hunting preferences. Whether you prioritize comfort, lightweight design, or versatility, their two-panel and single-panel saddles collection has something for everyone. The Black Belt Nano is the lightest single-panel saddle available on the market, weighing in under a pound. The saddle is designed with the minimalist hunter in mind, focusing on lightweight functionality and breathability. One notable feature is the patent-pending magnetic stick clip system on the side, which allows for convenient transportation of sticks up the tree, as well as a built-in platform holder. The Nano Saddle can be folded up to the size of a Nalgene bottle, enabling easy portability. With a four-way stretch material on the back for a comfortable fit, as well as strategically placed padding for hip pinch relief. You can use code EASTMEETSWEST to get free shipping on any Timber Ninja order. If you try it out and don't like it, send it back within 30 days for a full refund. Learn more at TimberNinjaOutdoors.com and sign up for their email newsletter for exclusive discounts and product drops. Maven makes the highest quality optics at half the price of their competitors through their direct-to-consumer business model. The brand new B7 represents the expansion of their compact lineup and is designed to be more compact and portable than their acclaimed B3 bino. With a smaller objective lens, the binocular takes a significant leap in terms of size reduction. The B7 is available in both an 8x and 10x option, making it their most compact premium binocular yet. If you're looking for something that will fit in your pocket for deer hunting, turkey hunting, or scouting missions, but still want crystal clear optics, check out the new B7 from Maven. All their optics come with lifetime, no-fault warranty. If you run it over with your truck or your significant other chucks it at your head, they'll repair or replace it. Use code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT for a free gift on any full-price optics order at mavenbuilt.com. Better Backstraps' mission is to provide the highest quality seasoning for the meat you work so hard for. They wanted to give hunters another choice besides the big box store brands full of fillers and preservatives. Born right here in Pennsylvania, Better Backstrap Seasonings will turn up the taste of your wild game. Right now, you can pick up their sampler gift box, which includes gun seasoned garlic, tall tine taco, and the original seasoning in a custom gift box. You can use the code EASTMEETSWEST for free shipping at betterbackstrap.com. For all of those that want a truck bed cover for work or play, Diamondback makes the top of the line heavy duty covers that help you do more with your truck. They're perfect for the truck owning avid sportsmen, outdoor enthusiasts, and weekend project warriors. I'm currently using the HD cover that can is capable of holding up to 1,600 pounds on the top. And then I have the Yakima overhaul HD bars on top so I can put my rooftop tent on it. When I'm not using my rooftop tent and able to use the trifold design of the Diamondback, I have the Crossbin 8 in there to organize all of my stuff in the back of my truck bed. Diamondback is made right here in Phillipsburg, Pennsylvania. If you want to check them out, head over to diamondbackcovers.com. Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Spartan Forge. On today's episode, I am joined by Curtis Zabel of Behind the Bow. Curtis has been making hunting videos on YouTube for a long time now, and the production level and storytelling are next level. He hunts public land in Wisconsin, 
Iowa, and Minnesota. We discuss what it's like hunting these areas, how to become disciplined, spring scouting techniques, hunting stories, and much more. On this week's Mountain Buck Monday Story of the Week, it's actually a little bit different. This one is more of a Mountain Bear Monday from gentleman named Quinn Decker out of Pennsylvania. So Quinn wrote in, normally I hunt alone and go ways back into the game lands to get away from other hunters. But this year I have a friend hunting with me who is new to archery hunting. I let him hunt my usual early season spot and I tried a new spot close to the private land boundary where I had some really good activity on camera. After a few hours of hunting, I saw a sow black bear with three yearling cubs. When they got a little too close for comfort, I stood up and let them know I was there but I was surprised at how calm they were. This group slowly walked away, and about a half hour later, I saw another sow with three more mature cubs out in front of me headed to the location. It seemed like the original group was heading, which was towards the private land. After about another 15 minutes, another bear came out, this time a big boar that looked to be about 350 pounds. I stood up and tried to shoo him away, but he couldn't have cared any less about me. He sauntered around right in front of me at 30 yards for a while and then continued on in the direction the second group of bears went. I was sure at this point my hunt was shot. I had seen nine black bears in under an hour. To my disbelief, a group of does came out from the direction the bears had gone. One of the does gave me a perfect broadside opportunity at 30 yards. Once I found my arrow, I realized the shot was bad and I hit the stomach. But before I could even consider whether or not I should look on the ground for more promising blood, I heard a loud commotion that sounded like a rhinoceros coming through the woods towards me. When I looked up, I was very surprised to see what appeared to be the boar and one of the sows barreling towards me. They got to about 20 yards before I hopped up on the rock and started waving my bow around and shouting, Hey bear, hey bear. The pair simply paused, sniffed the air, and stared at me for what felt like an eternity. One of the bears continued to look at me while the other slipped off to the left and began circling around my side. At this point, I was pretty terrified, considering I was surrounded by black bears with blood on the ground and it was getting dark. The next thing I hear is commotion behind me in the direction where the deer had ran, at which the point the bear was still staring at me, ran around me at about 10 yards. What I proceeded to listen to next was the most gruesome thing I've ever heard. The deer I had shot was not expired yet and had attempted to get away from the bears, but ultimately failed. I proceeded to listen to what only could be described as screaming and growling as the bear finished off the deer. The hair stood up on the back of my neck and I decided it was time to get the hell out of there. I put the quiver arrow in my quiver and started moving as fast as I could towards the parking lot, leaving my stand and backpack in the tree. The entire way, I could hear something behind me, which prompted a few more hay bears. I got back to the truck, but I did not have a key, so I hopped into the bed with my arrow knocked and scanned the area behind me. Two of the bigger cubs had followed me all the way back to the truck and was sniffing the ground where I had walked at a distance of about five yards. I realized at this point they could smell the stomach contents on my quiver and thought I was a wounded animal. My friend would eventually arrive at the truck, and upon unlocking it, the headlights scared the cubs off. I now carry bear spray with me at all times. <laughs> well, that was a an absolutely wild story there from Quinn, and I've I've had some pretty close encounters with bears uh, with g- accidentally getting in between the cubs and the mother and them doing some bluff charges, but 
I've not had an experience, anything like what, what Quinn experienced there. So it's just uh, good to know you should, when you're hunting in areas of bears, have protection with you, whether that's bear spray or a pistol, like I carry anything like that. It's, it's important to, to make sure that, uh, you are protected there. Uh, in other news, before we get into this podcast, uh, I did, I don't remember if I mentioned it on the previous episode, but I have a YouTube video that went up on Montana Miriam's turkey hunt with my brother from last spring. Uh, just a, a short seven to eight minute video there. Uh, we were bear hunting and found some turkeys and went back in and was able to, to shoot one about three and a half miles from the truck. Just a really cool backcountry bird, like the, one of the coolest places, definitely the coolest place that that I've ever been a part of for turkey hunting. So that was really cool. And I'm going to have some scouting videos going up there shortly here too. So I'm going to have some more like raw uh, vlog style, I guess you could call it, of just me going out for a weekend scouting in Pennsylvania and West Virginia and just showing what I'm seeing and just kind of going through my process of scouting, not, not a very formal manner, just raw and to the point. So I hope that um, you enjoy that. But if you would, head over to my YouTube, which is just under my name, Bo Martonic, and hit the subscribe button so you know that when new videos are coming out. And if you would, please leave a rating and review on the podcast. That helps out so much, and I really do appreciate it. With that being said, I hope that you enjoy this episode with Curtis Zabel. All right. We're live. Curtis Zabel, welcome to the podcast, man. What's up, dude? How's Did I pronounce your last name wrong or right? No, that's right. That's right. That's right. Okay, uh, I meant to. I meant to ask you before before we started recording, but I uh, I forgot. And as soon as I hit record, and I was like, "Man, I, hopefully I was saying that correctly." No, no. A lot <laughs> of people. A lot of people say Zabel actually. Um, yeah. And Zabel too, which is really dumb. But <laughs> yeah, thanks for thanks for pronouncing it right. Yeah. Well, thanks for thanks for coming on. I. Uh, it's funny, I, when we were talking beforehand, I was saying that I would wanted to have you on for a while, and I hadn't really heard you on any podcast, which was interesting to me. Like I, I've been watching your stuff with Behind the Bow on YouTube for a long time, and and uh, yeah, you said you don't really don't like doing them, or just, it's not like you don't like talking to people, but you just don't like talking on them. Is that correct? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I guess, like, I just, not a big talker i mean so i film stuff for a living right so i try i tell i tell i show people stuff through video you know what i mean like a lot of times when i'm talking and we're doing stuff like this like live i get nervous and i can't stuff doesn't come out how i want it to come out and then like it gets done and i'm like why didn't i say this why didn't i say that you know what i mean so like with my videos, I can, I can put out exactly what I want to put out. I can think ahead of time, you know what I mean? And build this, make a nice story. Um, but whatever it is, what it is, I gotta, I gotta start getting in front of the camera more like live and doing stuff like this. So thanks yeah. for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Put you in uncomfortable positions and it just yeah, helps you out. For Cause sure. you're, um, actually I'll, I'll, let me get in the background a little bit of you and I don't mean to make it too formal here, but just a little bit for the listeners kind of, kind of who you are and what kind of makes you tick there? Well, um, I currently live in Iowa. I I'm from Northeast Wisconsin. I moved to Iowa a year ago, Northeast Iowa. Um, I bow hunting is my life. That's 
pretty much why I moved to Iowa to draw the resident tag every year, you know, and Northeast Iowa, I can bounce from Wisconsin, Minnesota, and hunt Iowa every year for less than $400. And I have three buck tags, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm in the, that driftless region. So it's just beautiful bluff country, huge rivers, trout, trout rivers, and, um, big bucks everywhere. <laughs> um, that's, that's kind of why I move here, but yeah, I mean, bow hunting is my life. That's what I do. Um, uh, for a living, I, uh, make videos for a living. So I, I do, I go, I travel back to Wisconsin. I do some stuff in Iowa, but mainly I travel back to Wisconsin, um, three or four times a month, shoot a bunch of stuff, come back here at it, get all my work done. And then I'm back out in the woods doing something. So, um, yeah. That that makes sense. I uh, so what kind of like what kind of filming do you do? Like what like for your what type of uh, filming do you do for your regular job? So I'll do. I mean, I own my own business filming stuff. So it's mainly a lot of real estate type stuff, um, but lots of different videos for social media and for for them to send through email and stuff like that. Not so much. I used to do a bunch of real estate videos, like tours and all that stuff. Um, I don't do that much anymore. It's more like promotional type stuff, some commercials. Um, sometimes there's film crews like in New York or whatever, they, they'll, they'll shoot the commercials with some of these realtors that I work with and then they'll, then I'll supply them with B roll and stuff like that. So I wasn't, I was, I was a machinist for eight years. Um, and I, I've always filmed everything. I've always filmed my bow hunts. I've always, I've all, I actually started filming stuff skateboarding when I was real young, you know. Um, and then a girl asked me to film her wedding off of Instagram through the hunting videos, through behind the bow stuff she saw like a long, uh, quite a while ago. And she was like, "Can you film my wedding?" I'm like, "No, I'm not, I'm not going to your wedding. Like, I don't film weddings. I just have this like little Canon T5i and this handy cam. You know what I mean? Like, and I wasn't really ever looking in to do like video production professionally at all. And she's like, "Well, I'll pay you two thousand dollars to film my wedding." And I was like, "All right. I mean, I'll try. You know." So I filmed their wedding, then. It turned out actually pretty good for a one-man show. And then I started doing more weddings, and that evolved into real estate. And then that, I was like, well, I like I like making videos. I like making boring stuff look cool through video. You know what I mean? So I, I quit my machining job. I started doing video production on my own. Um, and then I built that up pretty good in Appleton in Northeast Wisconsin. And then, uh, decided I, I kind of want to, um, do my own thing. Like I quit my, I quit my job to do my own bit or to start my own video business. But now I'm at the point where I want to like just film for myself, do my own stuff with behind the bow. So Mm -hmm. I'm kind of trying to make that transition from, video production for other people to just doing behind the bow stuff. Uh, that's awesome. And I, I figured that you had, a, I mean, I think I knew a little bit from talking to you that that was kind of your, your job, but just from the production quality that you see with behind the bow, it was obvious that 
you spend a lot of time with the camera and editing to be able to do that because it's it's phenomenal and i'm not just saying this because you're sitting here in front of me i truly enjoy the storytelling aspect as well as being able to see it all through the i guess when you're watching the the videos you, you're able to kind of feel the emotion you're able to see everything that you're discussing and talking about and it almost puts you in that place and i think that's what's really cool about the storytelling aspect that i feel like some i feel like a lot of that has been lost in the the hunting space and i know i enjoy a whole bunch of different types of stuff i don't i don't consume a lot anymore just because i'm always doing it but I, I've always been really big on the kind of the cinematic type stuff that's, that still has, you know, the good storytelling behind it and everything. And I think that what you're doing there is, is, is really awesome. I appreciate it. I mean, I don't necessarily, like, if I look back at everything I've done, I think it all is horrible, to be honest. Um, that's just, it just, I do that even with like video production stuff for other companies, like, I have a hard time sending stuff out because I'm not, I don't like it. You know what I mean? That's never good enough for me. And, and the bow hunting, the bow hunting videos, um, that's, that's even worse because like you're trying to bow hunt, you're trying to sell film, but you want to make a really quality production. It's a, it's a hard line to, you know what I mean? Jump, jump across because I mean, you got, if you're if you go too far into the filming part, it st- starts to seem fake and like set up shots and stuff like that. So you kind of want to ride that line of you know real, but you still want quality, you know. So it's it's tough, especially yeah. self filming. Yeah, no, I I can I can understand that, and I've now I've not done it even close to the level that you have, but I've dabbled in in self filming, and it sucks. Like I've avoided it for as long as I possibly can, but I like the end result of having the footage and seeing it and being able to relive it. And I, I just can't, I can't at this point and what I do, I'm not able to afford to have a, a guy that's with me all the time filming. So it's like, all right, I, if I'm going to capture this stuff and, and show it, like I, I need to, to learn how to do it myself. But, you know, I, I, told this story on the podcast before but just recently this past year i was so pumped i finally thought i'd self-filmed me actually shooting a deer instead of normally i leave the camera in the bag and i shoot one and then i just tell the rest of it but i had it up (laughs) didn't have the camera angled i didn't know the deer was going to come in the 12 yards i just had it sitting there and i was like oh i just hit the record button he came in i shoot it all you see is the deer's antlers and me at full draw and shooting but i missed like just needed it a little bit down you know Did, did you did you get the uh coming in him coming in at all like for i don't know three quarters of a second because he oh, gets, right. it's, so, it's so thick in this bottom that it was just like i heard him coming and i went to full draw before i even seen him because i just i was i was grunting and and i just heard crashing coming i was like well it's here we go so i went to full draw and just got ready and he popped out and just went right there and stopped at 12 yards and i'm like and it was perfect you know he went and he fell he fell out of sight but i was like holy cow, I just filmed it and he actually died right there. Like, this is awesome. And then uh, I reviewed the footage and I'm like, yeah, damn it. <laughs> Dude, it, it is hard. It is hard. And especially for me, even to like bow hunting comes first. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, if a huge buck's coming in and I, my camera is not 
perfect or whatever, I don't care, dude. Like I'm, I'm shooting that buck no matter what, you know? Um, but you know, just, just bow hunting, you have to make split second decisions all the time, you know, especially in an area where you're hunting, you said it's real thick and stuff, you, you know what I mean? So adding a camera element to that is tough, man. You can't see him coming all of a sudden it's there, you know, you got what, 15 to 30 seconds approximately to get everything figured out and shoot yeah. and you know so it's tough and sure and there was uh so it's funny I was, i'm working on this project um for a company and they were like hey can you send us a bunch of like b-roll of deer and i'm like i don't have much because i was like i don't see many deer first of all it's low deer density and i rarely am able to especially bucks like i can film some does here and there because i'm not really focused on them but i'm like this that's kind of my weak spot here is is actually filming the deer so and even like this past year i self-filmed the whole year i think it'll still tell a cool story but i look back on it it's like i've got like a total of three deer in the whole season on camera you know and it's just like oh well no that is what it is (laughs) yeah yeah no for sure i mean especially in an area like that you know you'd have to try probably try to put that together you probably have to film a bunch of stuff outside of your actual hunt right you know to yeah. get a bunch of cool b-roll and stuff to tell the story um but i mean i've there's a lot of times where i don't have a lot of footage either even being in the midwest and stuff i mean i'm still hunting public land i'm still it's tough man you know and yeah. i'm always learning like i'm not the best bow hunter in the world so it's like i don't i don't get on that many deer you know and try and i think a lot of people watch watch behind the bull videos and stuff and they're like man, this guy's getting on all these bucks and all this stuff. And it's like, dude, you know how much time I spend in the woods? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's the best stuff you're seeing. I have like hours of footage. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, I mean, I get it. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, that's something I do appreciate though, with the stuff that you put out is I do feel like you get that vibe though, of like you show, the not so perfect stuff that comes along with bow hunting and the struggles. I remember the one film that you put out, I think it's called life of the life of a public land bow hunter. hunter, Yeah. Yeah. And just like showing like just hunting here, going here, going here, nothing, nothing like just struggling. And then, you know, finally comes together in the late season. And it's just like, that's so realistic. Like that's what it is. And, and, you know, during this last hunting season, it was, I, I was struggling bad and people were messaging me on Instagram. Like, what do I do? I'm not seeing a deer. I'm like, I'm not seeing a deer either, man. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's a part of it. You know, it's just, I, I feel like, and, and I think from the, the little I know about you is that you're this way too. It's like, you just, you really just got to keep grinding and just keep going and going and going and going. And you know, if you keep working hard and doing the the things, the steps, you know, the little things that you need to do as far as discipline goes, you're eventually going to have something happen. And then it comes down to you capitalizing on it. For sure. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's, it's tough. And, and I think, I think mentally it's one of the toughest things, you know, especially, um, you know, you're, it's just all day i mean i do a lot we do a lot of all day sits and it's just like and packing in to i mean not all the time but some spots are just rough packings you know and we got all the camera gear and all that stuff you do that over and over and over again and i think i think that's what 
um, that's a big key in, in finding any success, you know, a lot of guys and, and it doesn't just go with bow hunting, but shed hunting and it's, you'll, you'll go, you know, you'll walk 50 miles and not find an antler. I'm on like a 50 mile streak where I'm not finding anything. You know what I mean? Um, but bow hunting though, it's just like, like you said, you just, it's a grind. You just got to keep going. Yeah. What, what did you tell me the other day when we were texting that so far we're recording this at the beginning of March and you had said that you've already walked like 250 to 300 miles since January. Yeah. I'm probably at, um, it's yeah, it's, it's in there. It's in there. It's 260, 270 or something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's the most I've walked in any year that I've ever scouted and I still feel like I haven't walked enough. You know what I mean? There's so much, so much ground to cover and between Minnesota and Wisconsin and Iowa, there's tons of public land around and you know, some spots I'm, I'm hitting up more than once and, and cause I know of certain bucks in those areas, but then there's some spots that I'll go that's brand new and just try to figure it out. Um, but yeah, I've, put on a lot of miles this year and but i've also made myself a lot more time i i try to like block my days to where i'm getting i'm doing four to six hours of work like editing and stuff like that and then i'm and then i'm in the woods all all the rest of the day and i try to do that i try to get at least five miles in every day but sometimes you can't do that you know you know i i think i that's that's I like hearing that from you because it's one of those things that I thought when I left my full-time job and went to do this full-time that I would just have like endless amounts of time. Well, I find that like, I'm always, I always want to do more and I'm trying to do stuff. And I, when you're working for yourself, like, you know, it's like you always have a list of things to do. And I, I catch myself like just working and working and trying to do things. And, and then all of a sudden I look and it's after dark, you know, I'm just like rolling through it and, and I'm like, I really need to be rigid. Like I was when I had a job, like I was super rigid where like, all right, I was going to the gym at four 30 in the morning. Cause that's when I had time to do that, go to the gym, then I go to work. And then after work, I'd go out in the woods until dark. And then I would do my editing until late at night. Now, now I also have started to value sleep and I'm not going to shy away from that. Cause like I do feel thousand times better than I did in the past getting four hours of sleep a night. But, uh, but I still think there's some better time management that I can do to, to improve on the time I spend in the woods. Like my goal has always been every year since 2016, I've been doing 200 miles in the spring. Like that's my, always my goal. And then hearing you do that, I'm like, I need to do more, like not as like a competitive thing with you, but it's like, I want to keep pushing it. And and there's so many places I want to check out. And there's so much like even just in Pennsylvania alone, I just love walking new ground and figuring it out. And it's just, it's fun. And there's a, it's, it's like, you only have one 2023 spring. You know what I mean? Like I, this is the only March I have this year. You know what I mean? I better get in the freaking woods. (laughs) Um, that's how I view it. And I've kind of, over the years, I've like, I've slowly just like implemented what I want my life to be. And, and it sounds stupid. It it really does. Like, but I just, I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to, it started with me taking a 
30 days off to go bow hunting in Iowa. I, I hired someone, I trained someone, hired somebody. They did my work while I was gone. You know what I mean? Now it, and now this year it was reduce my workload to a point where I can do this stuff all the time. So I'm not, I'm making half the amount of money that I was making. You know what I mean? But I'm also trying to transition into the bow hunt, the bow hunting world, you know? So I'm kind of making that, that minimum amount to live, pay the bills, all that stuff, you know, have a little bit of cushion room there for other things. But for the most part, I'm just trying to free up as much time as possible. And then making, making my life the way I want it to be. Like I want to go in the woods every day. Okay. This, so that means, and I want to sleep like you said. So that means I'm going to get as much work done in like a four hour period as I can each day. And then I'll go in the woods and you know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of just block it out and kind of just, kind of just make the life I want, you know? The Spartan Forge app utilizes years of military background and machine learning to pull from millions of data points to accurately predict deer movement with over 30 years of GPS collar data, trail camera data, academic, and state research. The app is a complete tool for planning your hunt with incredible aerial imagery, mapping, journaling, and some of the most accurate and detailed weather data. The latest update is huge. One feature that I'm using a lot during the rut is LiDAR. LiDAR basically removes the trees from the landscape and allows you to see every nook and cranny, logging road, boulder, etc. With some areas having one meter data, which just means that you can see any deviation in the land as small as three feet. During the rut, I will look for logging trails that intersect with key terrain features such as ditches or draws to funnel deer movement. Use the code EASTMEETSWEST to save 20%. And if you're still on the fence, give the 14-day free trial a chance at SpartanForge.ai. CVA has been America's number one selling muzzleloader brand for over a decade. I hadn't messed around with modern muzzleloaders until last season, and when my buddy had a CVA, I was extremely jealous of the ease of use, accuracy, and ability to take some brush beating. I couldn't wait to get my hands on one for myself. CVA doesn't only build badass muzzleloaders. Their centerfire rifles are quality built and budget friendly, built for deer camps across the country. Head over to bpioutdoors.com slash CVA to check out their line of muzzleloaders, rifles, and accessories for every season and every range. You can use code EASTMEETSWEST10 for 10% off CVA products and accessories. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's... I think that's really cool. And, and one thing I, I want to say, I remember, did you do the 75 hard program? Yeah, I did. Yep. What, what did you think of that? What did that help you in any way? Or what was your thoughts on that? Um, I mean, it was awesome when I did it. It was, um, it was, it was hard for sure, you know? Um, but like one thing I'm really pissed off about is, like kind of as soon as I got done with that, I went and picked up my dog. I just got up. I got a puppy last May or last July and me and my sister went and picked her up and she, and it was like a, it, we went to Norton, Ohio to get her. So I don't know if you, that's like Northeast Ohio, okay. I believe. Um, 
And it was a long drive. It was like 14 hours. And we're on the road. And my sister's like, well, let's stop at Culver's. And I was like eating nothing but meat and fruit for 75 days straight. And I was feeling like a beast. You know what I mean? Like running all the time, jacked. I was like feeling awesome mentally, physically, everything. And I was like, man, I really don't want to do this shit. You know, I don't want to eat Culver's right now. But, like, what else am I going to do? Go stop and pick up some apples at Quick Trip, you know? Like, so I was like, all right. So we eat Culver's, and it, like, it was insane to me. The, you eat that stuff after not eating it, and it's, like, disgusting. And I love Culver's, you know what I mean? I don't know if you know what Culver's is. No, I don't. Is it a uh, gas station? Or? It's, like, a, I think it's a Midwest thing. Culver's is, like... They make these delicious butter burgers and like really good concrete make like ice cream, but it's kind of a, like a fast food chain, but like a high end fast food. And um, <laughs> you're just sitting there like, what the? Uh, <laughs> but so um, we stopped at Culver's. It was horrible. And then it was like slowly. I was like, all right, let's stop at Taco Bell. And it and. I think that just ruined it and it just went downhill for me. And like after that, and now we're starting to get into bow hunting and I'm, you know, I'm hunting all day and all that stuff. And I just started eating gas station food, all that. I kind of just fell off the track real fast. And I'm like, God, man, it's so easy to fall back off. You know what I mean? But as far as like the actual program goes, like it helped me, like you feel like the man. Like when you're real far into it, you just, the confidence that you have just walking around doing stuff, it's just ridiculous. But, um, I feel like, I feel like the, like you just always, it's like, you're always trying to set a bar higher, always trying to like once I, I was on day, I don't know what it was. It was July 4th and I was running five to six miles every day and I got to a point where I'm like, I'm going to run 15 miles today just for the hell of it. You're just like constantly setting the bar higher and you just feel like it's, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's like, it's almost like the opportunities are endless. You know what I mean? Like you could do, you could do anything you want to do. And that to me, like really showed because I don't even run, you know what I mean? I'm not a runner and, <laughs> and 15 miles. I was at the time I was like 15 miles, let's go. And now I'm like 15 miles, dude. Oh shit. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's, it's definitely, I mean, I would recommend doing it, you know, it's freaking sweet, but you have to be, if you do it, you should do it. You know what I mean? Like, like I did it hundred percent right. You know, I failed it a couple times before I did it the first there did it actually through 75 days. Um, it's tough. So explain, explain a little bit to the listeners what 75 hard is. Yeah. So, um, it's a program that Andy Frazella, I listen to a lot of his podcasts. I don't listen to, you know, it's weird and nothing against you or anything. I just don't listen to hunting podcasts. You know, I don't really listen to hunting. I don't watch hunting videos, but the podcast I do listen to is more like, I listen to a lot of Joe Rogan, Andy Frazella, um, but he has a program. It's called 75 Hard. It's um, you do two workouts, one indoor, one outdoor. Um, they got to be for 45 minutes each. 
And then you have to do a diet. I did a all meat and fruit. And it was more, it was an animal based diet, they call it. So I don't know if you know what that is, but it's, it's just all meat, fruit, butter, honey. You could do dairy. So I, I get raw milk from a farm 15 miles north of me. Um, and, um, that's pretty much it. So nothing, no junk food, no drinking alcohol. Uh, you have to drink a gallon of water each day. Um, and read, read 10 pages in a, in a book. Uh, I think I covered them all. Um, but it's, it sounds pretty easy to me. It sounded easy. I was like, I could do that. And then you start doing it and you're like, dang, it's 75 days of this shit every day. And, and in, including that into your actual normal life, you know what I mean? Like there's the stuff you got to do in just your life and then include all that into it. And it's like, holy shit, you know, it kind of, it, it builds up fast. Yeah. And like the, what what I think is uh, crazy about it is like where I tend to like fall off or like struggle is like when I'm traveling or doing anything like that's when you really have to make it happen. Like it's it's a choice at that point to 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 do it, and and that's why I've liked I've had um, I followed a training program for the last few years. Um, my buddy Todd. Bumgardner has a program called Human Predator Pack Mule, and I go through that, but it keeps me in line because I look and it's all tracked through an app, but it's like, if I don't do these things, I feel like Todd's going to look down on me, you know, like that's kind of like one of those things that, that helps motivate me, you know, beyond me looking at myself in the mirror, but it, it helps me do that. But I always struggle when I'm traveling and like trying to figure out things and how to, how to make it work. And it's really easy to fall off the wagon when you start doing those types of things and just eating really terrible. Now for me, I'm, I'm, this is definitely not lucky, but it's lucky from the standpoint of eating cleaner that I have both a gluten and dairy allergy. So like I'm kind of forced unless I want to feel really, really shitty. Like I'm forced to eat relatively clean. Now you can eat, you can still eat a lot of crap food with that, that diet, but it helps, it helps me, you know, stay kind of on track with, with some of those things. And, um, but, uh, Andy's podcast though, by the way, that could just, I want to throw that out there. Like I love listening to that. I actually just sent it to uh, Jason, who you've talked to a little bit, Timber Ninja there, because yep. he's big in the entrepreneurship stuff and everything. And I sent it to him, and I was like, I was like, "Have you heard of him?" And he's like, "No." I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" Like you need to, you need to dive into this because like I've been listening to him for years, and I love, I love his stuff, and uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's really good stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but uh, I. The reason, and one of the reasons why I asked you about 75 hard is because I feel like that kind of shows a little bit of the, the discipline and the, the work that you're doing, which is what shows when it comes in your videos look like it's easy as far as you're getting on deer doing things. It's cause like there's, again, I know that's not always the case, but there's so much like beginning and prep work and daily things that are happening that lead to that point. And then that's when it makes it look easy. I mean, Andy talks about that all the time with entrepreneurship and it's like, yeah, people think that I have these big successful businesses that days are easy. And it's like, no, they actually are really, really hard and they suck, you know, a lot of times, but that's just, that's the nature of trying to be good at anything. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that, that's 75, that's 75 days. Like, I've told myself a hundred times, I'm like, dude, I'm not, I'm not going to fall into, I have a, I have an eating problem. Like I can eat so much 
and and just the worst foods and like if I didn't go in the woods all the time and pack and stuff and I would be fat as shit like and I don't really have a drinking problem I don't drink that much I barely drink you know um like all the other stuff is pretty easy to me like working out like but the the eating is so hard and especially during bow hunting season for me and I I I really want to make it a goal of mine this year during bow season to not eat like a piece of shit because it's just like you, you sit all day and like the last thing you want to do, you have to, you know, pack your stuff out, drive home from wherever you were, unpack all your stuff, like charge batteries, all this nonsense. And by that time it's like, dude, I need to go to bed because tomorrow morning is going to come fast, you know, cause you're doing it again. And like, the last thing you want to do is like cook something healthy. You just want to eat a, you know, bunch of garbage. That's what I do anyways. So it's like, yeah. um, that, that's like a real big goal for me. And it's, it has been for a while, but I really need to do it. And it's just something that I want to do, you know? Yeah. I, I've had, um, Heather Kelly on the podcast before she has a company called Heather's choice, but she's uh, kind of a nutritionist by, by trade. And she was just talking about, you know, just the effects of the different foods and what it does to your body in a very, a very technical level where I just know when I eat crappy, I feel like that, you know, and that's, yep. and like the, but the mental clarity side of it, I think for me is what I've learned in bow season when I'm on the road and I start all of a sudden stopping and eating crappy stuff. And I'm just like, you know, just doing whatever, just to get through the day, basically, especially you getting like all day sits during the rut your mind starts to go down fast once you're doing that. And that's like the, that's it that you start, you know, telling yourself things that probably aren't true to come up with excuses on this or that. And it's, uh, it's, it's hard, but I think diet has such a big, a big role in that. Oh, for sure. I, yeah. Like, I mean, I think if you ate clean, you're going to be mentally there in the tree stand on all day. So for sure, like where I never eat clean and, I mean, you're sitting, it's hard to sit all day, no matter what. And you're sitting there with a belly full of garbage, you know, I, I always, I always bring these, uh, cherry, no vanilla Cokes is, I got a problem with vanilla Coke. I bring that with me in the woods. I always have vanilla Coke with me and it's like, I wonder how much better I would feel and like mentally here in the woods. Maybe I would see more deer. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, it's, yeah, I think it's definitely, you know, and not, I mean, I think more Western hunters are a lot healthier because they're in the mountains, you know what I mean? Whereas like mid, maybe, oh, by you, they're healthy too, but Midwest guys, you know, we're <laughs> kind of just quick trip and the tree stayed, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, I, I think that needs to change and it needs to change for me. Well, anyways. yeah, but the way you hunt isn't traditional i guess as far as the no. the the midwest uh type you know type of way like when um our mutual friend tim uh and i were talking the other day i don't remember if it was on air or off air but we were talking about just like i think it might have been off air but we were talking about the separation and like when you find a place uh like say for example i was scouting this past weekend you and i were talking a little bit about it like this place that i was at it's very, very difficult to get into. And it's like, okay, some people might find that and go there, but are these people going to go in 
for five days in a row for six days in a row and make that hike all the way in there, go through all that nasty stuff, figure out how to traverse through the laurel and the rhododendron and, and get to their spot and then hunt all day and then come out and just do it day after day. I think that's what really separates people. And I think Tim was telling me, he's like, ask Curtis about his pack weight, like how much it weighs with all his camera gear and, and everything when it goes in. And, and that, that takes, that takes a lot of hard work. Yeah. Oh, it's every year. I'm like, what am I doing? And I try to, I try to bring the weight down and I just, I'm sacrificing luxury in the tree. You, you know, the more weight you take away, I feel like, you know, the shittier the lens, the, um, you know, the less comfortable you are, you know, in the tree, especially if you're sitting like an all day rut sit. And it's like, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how much weight I actually carry, but it it's probably, I mean, it's gotta be close to 50 pounds. I would imagine, you know, I, yeah, I mean, maybe more than that, but I mean, I got a, a lot of shit, like a big muddy hunter arm. That's the biggest, um, uh, 28 to 300 millimeter Canon lens, which is heavy couple cameras with the three cameras well one's a gopro so it's not much weight but it all adds up you know um but you were talking you uh before that you were saying people doing that consistently and there are spots that are are a beast to get to around here you know and and i always thought i always said that to myself too i'm like Dude, there, you got to be on a different level to be doing this consistently over and over again. But now I think about it and I'm like, dude, I don't, if, if I didn't film and hunt, this wouldn't be that, I mean, it wouldn't be that hard. You know what I mean? Like I, all I, all I would have to carry is a stand and sticks. Like it's, you know what I mean? Like I feel like, and especially this day and age with everything so light, you know, yeah. So I think a lot of these spots too, a lot of these spots are, are getting hunted more and more and more because a lot more people are catching on to the public land trend, especially in the Midwest here. And they got this light, lightweight stuff. And a lot of people are getting way back. And now I find myself a lot less trying to get the farthest away from the parking lot and trying to look for areas that are more, not just distance away but a motherfucker to get to you know like mud swamp or or just nasty steep terrain or you know thorns that you have to go through for a little bit you know what i mean like something that's going to deteriorate or that's going to deter them other than just distance yeah no that that totally makes sense and but the the one thing i will say is you, I feel like when you, you know, you've been carrying that much weight now. So like, it's kind of like where you set your bar like really high and then things that were a high bar before aren't, aren't, they're nothing anymore. You know, like I always compare that on Western hunts and I, I just talked about this on a recent podcast, but it's like the first time I went to Colorado and tried backpack hunting for seven days, three days in, I could barely do it. Like I felt like I was dying. And you know, and last year I went 21 days and did it. It's like, once you like continually work your way up, then things sound, seem lower but I do see people willing to get back in yeah, gear advancements, um, you know, mapping all these different things definitely makes, gives people the tools to do it easier. 
I still think there's, it depends on where you're at, I guess, as far as it's still a deterrent, but I do find myself even like looking for those spots that are kind of the in-betweens or, or just even overlooked. Sometimes it might not even be that hard. It's just like an overlooked because there's a trail that's going back and people are walking that trail like robots and not realizing this spot's over here. You know, that's a simple example, but that's, you know, something else that, that I've kind of looked at in, in recent years. And, and like my buck that I killed this year in Pennsylvania really wasn't that far, far in at all. It was just like, not at a dead end road and going back in or like, it's just was a, I'm not giving too much detail away with it, but yeah. it was not, it wasn't that difficult. I'll put it that way. For sure. No, I, I've been finding for me, like there's not a lot of, especially Iowa public land. The access is so easy. Like everything has a nice trail. You can't, there's never like one access point And like, you know, it's like, it's just, there's too many access points. And I feel like that first week in November, everyone is bow hunting around here. That's, that's my least favorite time to bow hunt because it's like every, all parking lots are filled with people. And it's like, there's only so many dang spots. These chunks aren't that big. You know what I mean? So I've, I've found that like, like you said, and what I brought up earlier is just, it's almost like I, I almost have to walk everything and, and for, and I'll walk a piece and I'm like, I don't know why the bucks are here. I don't know why this is good, but it is, you know what I mean? And you just, and looking at a map, I would never know. I would never know. And so now I'm trying, so I try to walk as much stuff as possible. And then once I find something good, then I try to figure, and then I ask myself, why is this good? Why, why are there, why isn't there people in here? You know what I mean? And, and sometimes I think pieces go in cycles too. Like, um, you know, I think that like there's a, there was a spot that we used to hunt that was really good. And then it just start, started being kind of not very good. And, and then I started seeing ladder stands and human intrusion coming off the private and I was getting cameras stolen. And, and then we went back to that like a year or two later. I think it was like two years later just to check in. And there was deer everywhere again. And the people were gone. You know what I mean? So it's like they maybe overhunted it. They thought it sucked. And then they leave. And it get, turns better again. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah. it kind of go in cycles. And it's like these, these areas around here, I don't know exactly about, I haven't really looked at land over by you. But, I mean, these chunks of public around here are not big by any means, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Like there's some bigger chunks, but for the most part, I mean, they're pretty small. And this episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. For me personally, it's like I can't look at something and just rule it out. I have to walk it and I have to, you know what I mean? Because you just never know, you know? 
Yeah, no, that's, and that's, that is completely different than where I'm at, where there's large chunks of public and continuous and continuous. And like, for me, I always just like, I can be in one, one chunk and just continue to keep moving like within that area and kind of figure out depending on how hunting pressure is. But those, those smaller chunks, now I don't have, I definitely don't have as much experience to be able to say much on it, but it's making sense kind of what you're saying now, like a lot of what you're doing right now in the springtime is it sounds like you're walking around and you're checking out deer sign, but you're also looking what the hunter sign looks like too. And is that, do people like leave stands and stuff up? Or are you able oh. just to see where people are climbing? And yeah, no, I mean, a lot of people leave stands up, but you know, you can tell, I mean, I, I go in and you know, it depends on what you're seeing, but you know, if, Sometimes you can tell that if it's a guy coming off the private or, you know, he's got like trails ribboned out or something like that. Or, um, you know, if you just see some stupid, big, dumb ladder, double man ladder stand, you're like, okay, that's a gun hunter most likely. So I don't really have to care about that much if I'm hunting this piece early season. You know what I mean? So I'm just, it's, it's almost like I'm trying to gain as much intel as possible on those walks as far as deer sign as far as human pressure and terrain like just knowing how everything is laid out you know so i can plan access and and exit i'm not really i'm not really looking for like i'm not really like planning out i'm not really planning anything out unless i have like specific bucks targeted that i know of like if it's a new chunk i'm just kind of just getting a real good feel of the area, marking a lot of stuff, bunch of notes on on my phone. And then, then in the summertime, all glass and run cameras if it's legal. Minnesota, some stuff is not legal for Minnesota, but um, uh, Iowa and Wisconsin it is. And I'll run cameras, glass and stuff. And then once you find the deer, then you're like, okay, now you have – you start – putting stuff together and you remember he's probably coming off that he's probably coming out of this area you know what i mean um but a lot of times and this is why i want to walk every freaking single piece of public in this entire area because i'll be driving and i'm kind of new to the area so give it some time but i'll be driving and you you find a deer and you're like i was gonna walk it and i never did and now it's like you don't want to go in there that much, you know, because I know he's there. So you're kind of trying to play the staying on the perimeter a little bit. You know, you don't want to mess anything too much up. So now hopefully I can just walk as much as much as possible. Once you find those deer in the summer for early season, then it's like, OK, I know it's I know what's going on now, you know? Yeah. Do you, uh, how do you like, do you categorize all that stuff in your head? Do you write down notes from your scouting sessions? Or like, how do you remember when you're walking that many pieces? So like, then you go in and you find a buck and remember like, okay, this is where I found, you know, I know obviously you can mark pins in a map, but like, do you have anything else that helps you remember that? No, I usually just in, when I mark the pin, there's like a little comment section or whatever. I don't know, yeah. write some stuff in it. If it's like, if it's something worth talking about, you know, but if it's just whatever, I, I, I just like to mark everything. And then I just like to, and then I pull it up on a big view and I just like to look at it and just, you know, click on the points, be like, okay, okay. And I'm, and it's just starts coming back to my head. You know what I mean? But 
yeah, there is a lot of lot of stuff marked, and it's like once you get to October, you're like, what was that again? You know, <laughs> yeah. I probably should write. I probably should write down more notes. I don't know, is that something you do? Do you do a lot of note? Yeah, take I, notes I have to. I just like I. I feel like I can remember things sometimes and there's other things I'll forget like little intricacies like if I'm in the woods and I'm just like oh I gotta remember that and then like I'll forget or like I'm really big on like if I find good setups like potential setup spots taking a picture of the tree and putting in with the notes and like writing notes on like how many sticks I think I'm gonna need or what way to face and like that kind of stuff because I've gotten in situations where I'm like, I get in there and I can't remember what tree it is. They all look different in the dark and I'm like going around and it's just like, then I climb up and it gets daylight and I can't see anything. Like there's no shooting lanes and I'm just like, so I, I really try to take a lot of notes and refer back to them. And I, I put together what I call like a hunt plan where say I have like five big areas that I'm looking at. I'll have those kind of in order, like the, the five top areas I want to focus on that year. And then I'll have specific spots listed underneath it. And then I'll have notes about those specific areas, like, okay, something about access and, and wind directions and things like that. So that when it comes the time of the season and it's like, okay, this is what the weather conditions are going and I'm struggling at all these spots. Now I can just go to this list and kind of look and like, okay, I forgot about this spot. I can go here and try this. And it's just like, it helps keep my mind in it when you start getting down about things not going as planned that I always have like a list of things to refer to and go at it. Now it's, it's taken a while to get to that point. It's usually from just me screwing up and not, not feeling good about it. And that's where I've found that it helps me. That's my way of like being able to stay on track. Yeah. I mean, it definitely makes sense. Probably something I should do. I, I did a lot of that stuff, like actually a while, like a long time ago, I, I took pictures of trees and I like plan specific routes. Like I'll mark specific points for like entry routes. And like, it just seems like every single, maybe, maybe it would be different now. But when I did all that stuff back then, I mean, I was a lot, I, I probably know a lot more now, but it just like every time I did, oh, I planned all this stuff out. I had a, a big elaborate plan and it just was like completely different. Every single time I, I'm like, what was I doing? Like, why do I have this points, these points here? And like, <laughs> so it's like almost to me, to me, like I just try to stay very generic. I don't try to get real specific, you know, unless there's like, Oh, dude, that tree right there. You know what I mean? But yeah, I don't really like to get super specific with everything because I just feel like everything's changing all the time or, or I don't know, it looks different in the fall or, and it's just like, it, and then it just turns into a big waste of time for me. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, I, I kind of just try to stay generic. I, I don't know. Yeah. No, no, that's, that's a, it's a good answer. And, and I, I too, like when I'm looking at stuff, it's like I have areas and I, and we're hunting different, different type stuff. So it, it doesn't yeah. always correlate, but like for me with the big woods and there not being any ag or any sort of like food like that, all places that 
don't have any mass, like they're not, there's no oak trees, anything. But what that does is it keeps things consistent during the rut because they're browsers. And it's like, unless a clear cut grows up or does something and browse changes and they move or they come in, they log, that'll change things. But a lot of times those areas are super consistent at that time of year, but they're really difficult early season and late season. So then I'll have different areas that are more like oak specific that I'll have that I can check for acorns. That would be maybe more of an early season spot uh, or apple trees and things that like, so I have like different areas depending on times of year, a lot of times. And, uh, but then there's like this past year, this was a big lesson learned for me was I was hunting one deer and I tried hunting him early and I never had any intel. I could not figure out where that deer lived early and I couldn't figure out the food as far as what he's doing. And it just felt like a big waste of time. Like I should have just waited until I know that he comes back into this area from historical patterns. That's like, I don't know. It's, it's a big learning thing, but that was something this past year that I really, really learned from. You know, one thing, I don't know about you, but I mean, you're in some pretty rugged terrain where you're at, bluff country. And is so you would classify those, it's mountain, there's mount, you're actual hunting mountains. Yeah. Any, I mean, it can be considered anything from hill country to mountains, depending on where I'm at. I'm not really sure where that line is and what it okay. changes, but yeah, it can be anywhere from things that are six to 700 foot elevation to something that's 14 to 1600 feet elevation from top to bottom. So it's, it's, it varies. So as an early season, like I really struggle with this and I don't know if, if, what, what you think about it, but like finding specific buck beds in the Hills for me is like, like in the swamp, I've, I've found a lot of them. You know what I mean? Big giant beds, rub cluster, you know, just water surrounding it. But this is like, I can never pin like there's, I know there's a good buck in this area, but it's like, I can never find this exact spot where he's betting. I don't know if he's betting in different spots, but it's like, I just can't seem to pinpoint where they're at. And it just drives me nuts. And I don't know if they just, they don't have a specific bet or, you know what I mean? And what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. So I've, I've tried to hunt like specific beds and I I'm the same way as you is like, I look at it as like betting areas for the most part. And I think the steeper it gets, the better as far as like really finding like focal points where they'll like to bed. Like if there's like, it's really steep and you get a little flat spot, they might bed there more times than, than not. But for the most part, you know, I'll get these areas like, I'll call it like, I'll find a big clear cut and it'll be like a section of it. I figure a buck, like I'll walk the perimeter and I see big rubs and stuff. And I find start to find some clusters and I might find a good bed that he's using sometimes. And then at that point, I just kind of like surround it with cameras and start to learn a little bit how he's using different areas. And then I just put a lot of time in the same tree because it's like, at some point he's going to come through here. I just don't know when. And that's where, and, and I'm not claiming to be like an early season just very good at it. Like I've in the last 10 years, I've only killed two bucks in the early season. Um, during that time. Now I don't hunt a whole lot then, but I struggle with it unless there's like, unless you find like only one Ridge that has white Oaks that are dropping or something, then it's a little bit more predictable. But for the most part, I feel like they have bedding areas more so than a specific bed. 
Okay. Is that, yeah. is that kind of what you're seeing? Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't been real successful either. I haven't, as far as early season hills go, I haven't, I, this is the first year really that I hunted like early season, you know, September in the hills. Usually it was, I was driving there for the rut, but it, it was, I mean, I learned a lot of stuff, but as far as like, I'm just trying to like, when I'm scout out scouting, like right now, I'm like, I know there's a buck batting right here somewhere, but it's just like, I can't, there's no like distinct, like, okay, this is where he's laying every time. So, and then I, I, I don't know. I hear about, I hear guys talk about it, you know? And they're like, I know he's batted there. I'm like, really? You really know he's batted there? Like, I don't know. <laughs> no, I just, <laughs> no, I, I don't know. And, and, and maybe people, I mean, I, I'm sure some, maybe some people can, I just haven't been able to like pinpoint it. So I just take kind of like educated guesses on, you know, where, or I try to get into a spot a little bit further off the bed and kind of waiting on those cold fronts to be able to hunt where it's like, okay, he's probably going to come through here. If he's bedding over here, if he's bedding over here, when I killed a buck opening day, in 2021 that was the case like i thought he was betting somewhere and the only reason now that i know that or at least i think that he wasn't betting in that spot was after i shot him i hit him back and ended up jumping him with a dog and he was bedded in this spot and i was like okay i bet he went there because he knew it was secure you know like he had had the advantages there and i'm like all right and then you know, there was a pretty good bed there you know afterwards and then he ended up dying but it was like, okay, that he wasn't doing exactly what I thought he was, but I was still in a good spot for him to do that. Was there some luck involved in that? Definitely. But at the same time, it's like, I don't, I don't typically like hunt right over a bed just because I don't, I can't figure out how to do that successfully for the most part. I try to get off a little bit, which a lot of times that they're not, you know, they're not going to be there because they're already back to bed at that point or whatever in the early season. But that's, that's kind of where I'm at, at least at this point, I haven't been able to figure out, you know, there's not any really worn down to the dirt bed spots. That looks like that thing. Just, he just lays there all the time. Well, that's, that's good to hear though, because I'm, like, <laughs> I'm always looking for that. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, I can never find it. I'm like, what is going on? Um, there's a buck that I'm after in Minnesota, I mean, he's nothing specially, but he's real thick, heavy, nice. He's an eight pointer this year. He was a 10, but, um, I have the point he's batting on like, and I just, I've been in there and I'm trying to figure it out. And it's just like, I know he's here, but I just, it's like, he's just gotta be laying in random spots on this end of this point somewhere, you know? I, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say when you're talking about a point, I had a comment on that. Like a lot of times I'll figure out a point that I'm, you know, thinking that a buck's bedding on, whether it's camera Intel or just seeing the, the rubs and stuff, but I don't know exactly where he's at there. And I used to worry a lot about like finding that bed in that specific spot. And if I do find it, that's great. But for the most part, it's like, I usually like say, say there's like Oaks back off on the, the ridge a little bit further. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe he's come from that bed to feed there. Then my next step is like, I'm looking for a big scrape that I can find somewhere in between there that I'm like, maybe this is, he's going to check this before he goes out or some, some thicker brush or something that's going to like make him feel secure to be there or on the edge of it. 
in daylight still. And then it all, it all depends though. Like I can't even give like, Oh, I try to get within a hundred yards of where I think he's bedding or 200 yards. It all depends on what it looks like and how open the woods are and all that, that kind of different stuff. And it's, and again, it's all just educated guesses at that point. And I'd say more times than not, it doesn't work out, but, um, that's, that's kind of how I look at it at least. And I, I do like, I do feel that I have better luck hunting these deer like in the early season with bedding in the mornings and and like especially if you get to an area well this I'm thinking of mostly areas that don't have like a ton of hunting pressure that that you can get in but they'll I find that they'll like feed around their bedding area for a little while before or then at that point I can get closer to that point or out there where I can kind of see depending on how wide the point is and be in some areas to be able to get a visual on them but that's just kind of how I look at it yeah I've had I've had better luck in the mornings too I think mainly just because it is so I mean depending on how thick it is like you said every spot's different but I mean it's so hard to get there. They're always situated in a spot where unless you know exactly where they're at, how do you know how to access close enough? You know what I mean? So it's like, I'm, I feel like they're, they got the advantage. So in the morning I'm like, okay, I can even make a little bit of noise. You know what I mean? And I can get in there early set up and try to get them. You know what I mean? But that, that, afternoon early season especially once the foliage starts coming off a little bit the leaves then it's real difficult but that's what i'm finding anyways like dang this is tough yeah and and also too like when they're ready bedded down normally i find like especially in like the points the does will be bedded on the flat so like even though you might not bump that buck you're gonna bump the does and that's like the alarm system for that buck and then (laughs) like you don't even know he's gone but he's gone for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's, <laughs> I, I was hunting this river bottom in Iowa early season, uh, the first 14 or 15 days of the season until I shot, ended up shooting one, but it was just ridiculous. The amount of deer in there and it's just like constantly getting blown at, like they're betting everywhere. You can't, you know what I mean? Like I, I have a specific I think I know where the buck's at and I try, I want to get close enough to him. You know what I mean? But how are you going to get close enough to him without bumping freaking 10 does? There's those does at the deer density in Iowa is pretty nuts. Like, I don't know if you're familiar. I mean, I, I know if you heard and seen, but I don't know if you've ever hunted Iowa, but it's just like, even the public lands, it's the, the amount of deer is nuts. Like, does just piles of does and especially in some of these spots where i'm hunting and it it actually makes it really difficult because it's like i'm there's just more eyeballs more noses and once they start blowing you're like now that buck definitely ain't getting up or he's definitely not coming this way or you know it's it's like kind of a, a damned if you do damned if you don't when it comes to deer density because I I'm typically hunting areas that have really low deer density, but then you don't see many deer. And then you're wondering if you're even in the game at all, but then like, but when you're in high deer density areas, you're blowing them out. And I've never hunted Iowa. Now I do have enough points that I could draw probably even this year, but I'm, I'm not going to, I'm going to wait until the following year. And I think I'm going to cash in and, and do it. But it's just like, 
yeah, it's I'm learning that it's like really difficult. And like West Virginia, where I'm at, and that's like some that's some real mountain country. But there's there's a good deer population there, and I, I'm struggling with the blowing deer out thing because they're just like it seems like they're they're all over the place, and does just do whatever the hell they want. Like as far as bedding, because they're in groups, they're oh, just right. like oh we yep. can we can plop down here, and it's just it's fine. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, it's it's um. <laughs> it's kind of similar situation that I'm in. Like the well, Iowa's the deer density is real, real strong. And then you go up to Minnesota and it's like a totally different world. It's like, there are hardly any deer here, you know? What I mean? yeah. And, and there's another thing too, is like, I've been just the reason, another reason why I like to walk just everything instead of just looking at stuff and, and, and off a map or judging even by like rubs and scrapes there's this chunk of public in minnesota there's three big bucks in that in that vicinity in that area and there there's probably one rub in that entire area like little tiny rub and and it's like and just scouting it is just mind-blowing to me because it's like there's no bucks. Like if, if I was scouting this and I didn't, wasn't hunting it and I didn't know glassing, I didn't see these deer. I would never know besides tracks. You know what I mean? The only thing that would tell me that there's big bucks there is the tracks. There's, there's nothing in that whole area that makes me think, yep, there's big bucks here besides the tracks and seeing them myself. You know what I mean? It's crazy to me. And, and I think that, I mean, I think that's where like your woodsmanship comes in so much of like things past that, because one thing I've learned from hunting a lot of areas is every area is different as far as what good sign looks like. And it's taken me a while to learn that. Like when I first went to Southern Ohio, it was like, holy cow, these scrapes are all the size of car hoods. It seemed like, and I was like, I, you know, the first one I found, I'm like, I found the honey hole already. And then like you hunt it and it's like <laughs> nothing. And like, <laughs> if I found that scrape in Pennsylvania, it's like, you need to sit here cause something's going to happen. And it's, and I've learned that. And there's also areas in PA where I know some of the biggest bucks I've ever filmed live and they don't rub like at all. Like you're saying, like there'll be scrapes, but there's not these rubs and and that's where i think it also helps like i'm not a huge shed hunter um like i usually focus on scouting but it helps when you find a big shed to know oh, that there's sure. that there's big deer living there and and that's what it really took me to learn about actually oh, that spot was cameras is what told me that there was big deer there i was like you've got to be kidding me. Like, I can't believe that there was that, that kind of deer there for the sign that I was seeing. But then there's other areas I'll go to. There was some areas in, in Pennsylvania that were really remote. There was for a while there. I was just trying to find like the most remote place ever. I figured there was going to be just Goliaths everywhere. And I'd find <laughs> these like rubs that were literally the size of my thigh. And I never got anything over like 110 inches on camera. They were just these old, like gnarly looking bucks that were doing it. And, but they just, they didn't have the food and everything else to grow big antlers. But it was just funny that the sign is, it can be so different in different places. And it takes, like you said, just walking a lot and paying attention to things like tracks and sheds and whatever else you can find to put those pieces of the puzzle together. Yeah. It's, I just never, I guess that's just me learning, you know what I mean, throughout doing it. You know, I've always just like looked at, looked for big rubs and 
big scrapes and 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 this year was just totally like I think totally different now. You know what I mean? After I I found the spot in the summertime and I didn't even see any of the bucks glassing. I I just drove there and it felt like there's gotta be big bucks here. It was just real thick, like tons of thorns and just like it it just it felt like the the vegetation was real real nasty and thick and lots of food surrounding so i'm like there's got i'll i'll throw a couple cameras up and see what's going on and and i had a i had one camera on an oak tree and i was getting a bunch of pictures of does and and some like 2 year old bucks and stuff and then i wa- i went down and checked a camera in this ditch crossing that I was just for some. It, it, I don't even know how to explain it. You know what I mean? Besides maybe seeing some bigger tracks, I, it just felt like there's got to be something nice in here. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you just get this feeling sometimes. Even scouting, it's just like there's big deer in here. So I I pulled that camera and the first picture I pulled up, I was talking to I was talking to my buddy Chris at the time. I was like, I'm checking the camera right now and I'm going through it and. For sure enough, my first picture was the buck that I been chasing this whole year, and I was just like, I was freaking out because I was like, I I picked the spot, you know what I mean? Like, I never I never saw any deer here. Like, it never it didn't there wasn't any buck sign. It was just the feeling I got when I got there, and driving around in the summer helped me a lot with that. Just just the feel of the area and kind of how desolate feeling it is like you got to go a lot down a lot of like real crusty roads and like there's not much around and it might be you know anyone you know with a car is not going to drive down this road possibly and it's just kind of just a different feeling when i got there and i was like all right i think this is this is gonna be a good spot and sure enough it was but yeah i just it's just it's just weird to me i don't know yeah, no, and it's it's funny when you're saying that. It was just reminding me of a conversation with my cousin Mason, who I just had on the podcast. Like he, and and he didn't. He's he doesn't uh, he doesn't like. Well, he do, doesn't do anything with social media or do anything. He's just very kind of quiet, and he just kills big deer. But like when you ask him about things, a lot of times it's just like, well, I just it just felt like felt like a big buck spot, you know. And then he, <laughs> you know he starts asking himself why afterwards, but it's just like. Like I remember even before he killed his big deer this year that he was hunting for a couple of years, he was like, he called me, he's like, I found the spot. And I'm like, asking why he's like, it just, man, it's just, it was, it's the spot, you know, it's just like everything clicked all of a sudden, like it just feels, and, and that just, this comes from like, you know, with you and anyone that's been doing it for a long time, it's just the years of doing that, that you start like, even if you, sometimes it's subconscious recognizing those things that just like feel like man this is if i was a big deer this is where i'd be hanging out yeah for sure and then like then you get like you feel it and then you get the intel like you finally find something like a huge track or a a big scrape or just a massive rub or a big bed or whatever and then you're like i knew it you know i knew (laughs) it you know at least for me i'm just like but i get that feeling a lot and i mean a lot of times i'm wrong too but still it and I think a lot of times I start thinking back, I'm like, okay, now this spot that I found, it didn't have any big buck sign in it. 
and even now scouting it, I wouldn't even think spot's not that great. But I start I start thinking to myself, I'm like, and then I start thinking, well, okay, it's got it's got a nice river running through here. It's got it's it's got all of the the puzzle pieces for something to be living there. You know what I mean? Even though it doesn't have the sign, it's got everything. It's real thick. It's got a river running through. It's got all the food in the world. You know what I mean? And even if there's a bunch, and it's crazy too, because this piece is just hammered with pressure. Like squirrel hunters, I actually had to call the warden opening day. I go in, I jump the buck I was after, and I go in there, jump the buck I was after. He's bedded like 200 yards from the parking lot, but <laughs> but I was I was going down to hunt, and I hunted anyways. I had to call the warden because a squirrel hunter shot a deer in front of me, and yeah, it's crazy. And so I was like, I'm getting the hell out of here. Get down, call the warden. And they went down there with tracking dogs, tracked the deer for like 100 yards, couldn't find it, whatever. But it was crazy, though, because when I went in there, I jumped that deer. And and I figured out now, and and this is in the back of my mind now, for this next year early season, if the pressure of the squirrel hunters, I know where he's going to be at because he just – with the wind he had, he was bedded on that point. I'm pretty. This is what I'm thinking. He's yeah. Bedded, he's bedded on the point, and where I where I know he's bedding, where I think I know he's bedding, and the squirrel hunters were down by the river and stuff. That and he ran with wind to face up the draw, and bedded 200 yards away from the parking lot, and this thick shit. You know what I mean? And the only reason why I jumped him is because I. Uh, this is my first time hunting hills, so I was like, well, I don't know exactly where these deer are bedding, and, like, they can see a lot. So I'm like, I'm going to get down into this draw here and walk down in this draw, and that's the only reason why I jumped him instead of just walking that main trail in. And now I'm like, okay, I got his – I got hopefully, you know what I mean? So I'm just – I have all this stuff stored in the memory, and, <laughs> and, and uh, we'll see how this year pans out. Hopefully he's still alive. Yeah. Oh man, that's, that's, that's funny. And it's like, but going back to what you were saying before is like, when you find like, you find it and you like reverse engineer it, like as far as like, you know, the why behind, you know, what you're seeing or what you're finding, but no, like that, that, that situation you just talked about, but that's where like, I feel like learning an area and spending time over a few years, you start picking up those things and understanding how the pressure comes in with like, you know, when we were texting earlier today, you were talking you were like, do you have squirrel hunters that are like bad? Like, like it's, and and I learned pretty quickly that they're just a, a pain in your ass as far as like, with a, from a deer hunting perspective that it really messes things up. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, they're, they're on another level over here. I don't know what the deal is. Like they aren't bad back in Northeast Wisconsin. Like you'll have the, you know, they'll be squirrel hunting occasionally, but here it's like, geez, man, like even like during the rut and way back somewhere, they're just everywhere. Freaking boom, 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 getting closer. And you're, you're texting your buddy, you know, I'm texting Skylar. He's, he's hunting a spot and we're, we're kind of in the same chunk, you know? And it's just like, yeah, I got him right below me. I'm like, dude, it's just crazy to me. Like, how many freaking squirrels do you need to shoot? Plus, it's like, I mean, I don't have any problems with other <laughs> other hunters and stuff, but it's like, sometimes it's like, 
you see another truck in the parking lot and if you're a squirrel, if you're a squirrel hunter, I'm just coming from a squirrel. If I was a squirrel hunter, you see a parking lot, a truck in pocket parking lot and it's November 6th. What do you think they're doing? Like, do you have to go back in there and, and shoot? Like there's a hundred million public chunks around that you could shoot squirrels that I'm sure not everyone's going to be in. You know, it's like, <laughs> I don't know, dude. It's just, it's, it gets kind of um, frustrating sometimes for sure. I, I don't understand the hunter etiquette sometimes when it comes down to like, I'll be in areas that are big chunks of land. And if I pull into a place I want to park and there's another truck there, I go somewhere else. And it's like, even though that there's a very slim chance that person is anywhere near where I'm going, it's just like, I don't want to screw it up for them. And it's like, it doesn't matter if you're a squirrel hunter or deer hunter or whatever. It's just like hunter etiquette is like, and I do understand that there's places that are smaller chunks and like you can't, and you can't get away from people a lot of times, but still it's like, if there's other options, don't screw it up for other people. Like, I don't know. That's just the, the way I am. I've, I've been beaten to spots many times and it's just like, a, just a kick in my ass is like, okay, I wasn't, I wasn't here early enough or, or this guy beat me fair and square. And it's just the way it is. I feel the same way. Most of the time. I, it, I guess it depends on the chunk. Um, for me, like if I feel like that guy is not hunting my spot, it it's just a feeling you get, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, then and if I'm after like a specific deer and it's it's like a weird setup or something, like no one's gonna be hunting there or I'm not gonna be messing the guy up. But if um I I, I feel the same way. Like I when I see people, I'm just like, all right, I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna mess that up. And and the even shed hunting, like you're not even hunting. You could talk and make as much noise as possible. Shed hunting, there's a truck in there, I'm like dang it. You know, I wanted to go there and I got to go somewhere else. I just don't, I don't know. I, and that's another thing too. I just don't really like seeing people in the woods, to be honest. You know what no. I mean? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm the same way. And it's like shed, shed hunting. I think that's even, that messes with your mind even more because you always feel like everybody's found all the sheds. Like, or if you find a, if I find a boot track in an area, like I'm like, well, that's, I'm done. Like, that's it. And you know, and like, even thinking of like yourself that spends as much time as you do, you're missing sheds. Like, for sure. But, but it just gets in your head and it's hard to get it out. (laughs) Just today, just today I was walking and every, I would be, I'm like, dang it, boot track. So then I would go, I would be like, all right, I'm going to go into this thorn, this thorn thicket up in this draw here and it's nasty in there. Like, you know, dog doesn't want to walk through it. I'm carrying her and I'm just, I'm like, there's gotta be a shed in here and boot track. I'm like, God, dang it, man. You know, the guy was doing the same thing I was doing, but dude, I think I, and it deflates the sails pretty fast. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you see, you see boot tracks and you're like, man, this sucks. But like you said, dude, I mean, how many are you missing? Unless you're like the world's best shed hunter, like if they're laying the open, maybe, but a lot of times they're not. So, you know, how many are you missing? And, you know, it's kind of funny. I was thinking about it the other day. I was thinking, man, shed hunting is kind of a lot like the rut. Like shed hunting, it's like you can go, like for me, rut hunting is like you, 
you see a bunch of deer or you don't see shit. And, and it's like they go in spurts and nothing really makes sense. And at antler hunting is like, you can walk 50 miles and not find an antler. And then all of a sudden you walk two miles and you're seeing, you're finding them all over the place. And, and then <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just like a lot of similarities as rut hunting is like kind of luck. You know what I mean? Like kind of depending on luck, like the antler could be laying in the ditch. You know what I mean? It's, and during the rut, you could be shooting a buck in a stupid spot. You know what I mean? So it's, I don't know. I was just thinking, it was just kind of funny to me. I was thinking about it the other day. (laughs) You know, it's, I've never thought of it that way, but you're exactly right. Like that's, that's exactly how it is too. Like I'll have days that I'll go out and find, four five six seven sheds and be like oh my gosh like this is the best thing ever and then i'll go two weeks and not finding a single antler and it feels like there's not a that there's no chance of me ever finding them and everybody's been through places whether that's the reality or not or but if they're like, on their heads yet yeah it's just yeah exactly it's but it's the same thing like yeah with the rut because it's like you can be in a place and hunt you know, three days and not see a single deer, at least in my, in my case. And it's like nothing. And then all of a sudden it's just chaos and things, (laughs) things break loose. And I've never heard it compared to shed hunting, but that's actually really funny. Yeah. I don't know. I was just thinking about that. It's just weird to me. It's just, there's just so much luck and like, there's so much luck involved in it that it's just like, if you're solely shed hunting, which I do sometimes in certain areas, but a lot of times I'm scouting too. But I was just thinking from a shed hunting point of view, it's just, I don't know, weird to me. Yeah. I I find myself like if I'm usually when I'm specifically shed hunting, it'll be like I'll be scouting and then I find like either an area with some beds or a place that's like tore up from winter feeding. Then I like turn it into like a shed hunting mission for like 20 minutes and I'm like going back and forth and then I'm like, you know, back on my, my trail again and, uh, it's yeah. Or if I'm looking for a specific deer and I really want to find his antlers, then I'm like really spent, I'll go into a, a specific spot five, six times and just like cover it. And you look at, you look at my Spartan forge and the whole map, just like <laughs> yeah. back and forth, back and forth and like covering it. But for the most part, it's just like, I, I don't have the time to like, or I haven't made the time to be able to do that in every area that I go into, <laughs> you oh, know, for sure. Yeah. i I'm the same way. I mean, I kind of, I, I probably do a little more shed hunting, like specific shed hunting than you. It sounds like you do a lot more scouting. I I mean, I'm kind of doing the same, you know, I'm doing them both, but it is really hard to be really good at scouting or like do a really good scouting job and cover the ground for sheds. So you kind of have to, I kind of play the line a little bit, you know what I mean? And then like you said, if like a, that specific buck that I was targeting in Minnesota, I was freaking like standing there with the binos. I'd get up on rock croppings. I'm standing there for 10 minutes, just, you know, and you're moving real slow, zigzagging back and forth. And like you said, you look at the map, it's like, <laughs> it's all over the place. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's literally finding a needle in a haystack too. It's like, if you really think about it, your odds are so low. <laughs> oh, I know. It's, it's, and it's, it's like, you're, you're putting all that time in where in reality, the thing could be laying out in the middle of this field over here on private that I wouldn't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. but you just never know, you know? 
Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly funny. right. That is funny. What do you um are so are you are you going to stick to those three states? Is that kind of your plan for the year? Um, yeah, uh, to focus on. Yeah. So uh, Minnesota, um, I'll be hunting early. Uh, they open up like middle of September, and then uh, October first, Iowa opens up. So depending on my plan is to target that i call him the mongo buck i don't even know why but um my that's my plan for early and then i was chasing a deer i call the willow king and i when i shot my buck this year i thought it was him and totally different deer like but it it happened so fast and i just saw that it was a side angle it wasn't like front on and I made that choice. I'm like, I got to shoot him. And I saw the side and I'm like, it's a huge buck. I just don't. I, it, so it could be him. You know what I mean? And I ended up shooting him. And when I looked back, I, I thought I killed the Willow King. and I was freaking out in the tree, dude. I was like, holy man. Because this thing's like 25 inches wide. I was like pumped, you know. And then I <laughs> look at my viewfinder and it was just like I'm pumped. I'm still excited, right? I shot a buck, but I was like, "Oh man, that's not." Because he turned his head, he's looking at me, and when I stopped him, and I was like, "That's not him." But oh well, I mean, it is what it is. But um, I'll be hunting that buck hopefully early Iowa. I just I'm trying to I'm trying to get on some deer early season. I've never been really good with the that's always my goal is to find a specific buck and kill that specific buck early. And I really have never done that with a mature buck, you know, like a big solid buck. Um, and that's my goal. And that's always been my goal. And then, um, I hunt, I'll hunt Wisconsin probably during the rut and depend. It it all depends, but yeah, I'll be hunting all three states. Yeah. Now that, that makes sense. And that's, that's cool that you're like, you've located yourself in an area where you can hit, you know, these different places. And, and, and I know for me, like last year, I, I was just all over the place and I hate, I hated that. And it sounds like, like, Oh, you know, get to hunt all over. That's poor you. And I, I don't mean to sound that way, but it's just like for me to, to be successful at anything, like I need to put a lot of time into it. So it's like, for me, I've put on, it's like, Pennsylvania and West Virginia, I'm focusing on those, and then possibly late season Ohio, I because it's like that season just goes a lot longer, and it's like okay, then that would be like my third whitetail state that I would potentially go to. But I, I'm like I'm putting all my chips in those two states, and just I know it's going to take a while to do it, and I'm not, I haven't been able to, uh, for the most part, like just go in and and get it done in a couple of days. So well, that, that, I'm the same way. That sounds exactly like what I'm doing here with Minnesota and Iowa. Wisconsin's kind of like if I fill a tag, you know what I mean? But yeah. Um, what do you, I got a question for you. Do you, do you try to focus on like specific areas and hunt a lot of those same specific areas or are you bouncing around to your best spots all over? You know what I mean? Yeah, 
I'll say that I kind of do a little bit of both, but I do find that I do best when I focus on a couple of areas and like really put the time into those. But sometimes my mind takes me to just like going to a whole bunch of different places and like bouncing around a lot. And for me, I find if I focus on one or two areas specifically that I do better than if I'm really being scattered across the board. So what I'll do though is like on days like that I want to hunt, maybe I'll hunt those areas I want to, and then I'll be out scouting on other days, different areas to always have kind of backup plans. If something happens, I can't tell you how many times I've been in. And for some reason, first week in November, they decide to log an area or do something that completely changes things. So I always like to have the backups, but I feel like I do better of having those specific spots. What, what about with you? Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I felt this year. I mean, I was kind of focusing on the specific deer and learning those specific areas. But then sometimes throughout the season, you're like, you put so much pressure on it. And it's like, is he gone? Like, you haven't seen him in a while. Is he gone? Like, do I focus my time somewhere else? So, that, And there was a time frame where is he gone? And then I went back and he's there. Or like if it got super hot and it was like, I don't want to go in there and mess that spot up, but I have a real good spot with a, with a uh, water hole up top. I'm going to go hunt that. You know what I mean? But then at the same time, I'm so invested with that other, in that other spot and that other deer that I go to this water hole spot. I'm just talking about last year. I go to this water hole spot and it's just like, I hope I kill a buck. But at the same time, I'm like, I really want to kill that other buck. You know, like, I don't really want to kill a buck here, but I will if one comes out, you know what I mean? It's weird. Yeah. No, I, I, I did that. I did that exact same thing last year was I was struggling with finding sign of this deer I was hunting and I couldn't get a photo of him. I couldn't even find sign that made me think he was there. And I hadn't had a picture since the end of August. And I was like, you know, what do I do? And I kept hunting it. And then I was just like, and then all of a sudden, like, middle to later part of October, I started going everywhere else. I'm bouncing around, I'm hunting different spots. And then I'm like, then I'm like, no, what are you doing? You know, go back. And I go back. And, but then like the conditions weren't, it was so hot and it wasn't like a spot to hunt for that. So I ended up, luckily it was my last day that I had to hunt last half day. I just middle of the day, I'm sitting in a tree. I literally called my dad and I was just talking to him on the phone. And I was like, I think I'm going to make a move. I've been sitting in that tree for like three days and hadn't seen a deer. And, uh, I just drove like 15 miles to another spot and then ended up killing the buck that oh, evening. Shit. So it worked out, but, but it also in the back of my mind, I was, I was kind of I'm not upset cause I was very happy with the deer I killed, but I was really like, I've been hunting this other deer for three years and I'd screwed up an opportunity on him before. And I was just like, really wanted him. And then to have the biggest kick in the nuts ever, well, he got killed in rifle and I oh. went and checked my cameras and the time period when he normally shows up November, like 14th, you know, on he's just walking in front of the cameras, daylight chasing does, grunting, oh, no. doing well, his, his detriment, what killed him was the day before rifle season opened, I got a video of him with tongue out, chasing doe, grunting, doing this stuff in front of the camera. And then the next day, or maybe it was two days later, I don't remember, but he got killed. And I'm like, well, that doe killed him, you know, like he, he was horny and that just got him, that got him killed. That's the reason at seven years old that that deer walked out in front of somebody during gun season. 
Now, how did you how did you know that he died? Did you know the person that shot him? No, but I got a trail or I I got a picture sent to me on a phone, and it was like, "Look at this deer! Uh, somebody killed. Oh, I don't know who no. killed it." And I was like, "That's that's my oh, you know no. my buck." I'm that like, would be yeah. oh, it was it was so bad, and I was like, and then I ended up finding more to the story, and someone who talked to that person, and uh, and and found out the story behind it and it was just like basically climbed up into a tree in rifle season and he walked into the wide open and it was just like a chip shot i'm like he's never done that for me (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. that's like so hard you know that's like the my worst uh, not my worst fear but one of my things i think about is like if my if the buck that i'm after gets killed by someone and i just not don't know about it i don't know yeah i don't know i want to know exactly how he died you know i want to know how where he was what he was doing you know what i mean like i have so much time invested into this deer it's like i just that would that would be a kick in the nuts to not know anything yeah you know and just have him vanish and you're like what happened to him is he still alive you never know you know, yeah. There's there's a deer that I was chasing that I called Hercules that I had hit in the brisket in 2015. He was a giant, and I chased him for another couple of years, and he lived. Picked up a shed like it was. I was hunting this deer, and then all of a sudden, one year he just wasn't on camera anymore, and I have no idea what happened to him. Nothing. I never picked him up again. I've been in the area, no sign of him, and it just like makes me wonder. I was like, but I hunted like that whole next year for him thinking that he might just magically show back up and he never obviously did but it was just like it i just i want to know like is he was he is his skull just rotting somewhere or like did he die of old age did somebody shoot him you know it's like i I feel like i'd hear about this deer getting shot somehow through facebook or somewhere being posted or but yeah. And I think like, I think for you, like to like go into a new place where you probably don't know many people locally or anything in the areas you're at, like that's, yeah, you really don't know. Uh, yeah. But you know, one thing that's cool around here, I lucked out big time is, um, my, one of my neighbors, he like knows everybody and, and for luck has it, I bought a house next to him. And he's a big shed hunter and we get along really well. And like, usually doesn't happen like that. Cause I don't like just go talk to people. Like I'm not like a people person. I'm not going to like talk to all my neighbors, but he's a people person. So he came up to me and then I found out. So he knows everybody in this entire area. So like, he's always filling me in on things and like, this guy shot a big buck here and this. And I'm like, looking on you know my mapping system and stuff so i don't know it's pretty it's i kind of lucked out there because i got a lot of good i get a lot of good intel just little little things here and there that i can put into my bag you know and keep in the back of my mind for things you know yeah oh that's that's funny (laughs) that's a good that's a good neighbor to have oh Uh, dude for sure (laughs) (laughs) i always laugh at like I like going to like whenever I go down and get some like wings or something at the bar and then people come up cause they know that big into hunting and they just start just, just potty mouth, you know, it's like there's mouth or not potty, whatever. They're just dumping information out of their mouth. And I'm just like, 
holy cow, just learning so much. <laughs> but here's the thing is like, I know exactly what you're talking about with that. So, yeah, but like, so here's the thing is like, what do you know is true and what do you know is not true? It's kind of, you know, oh, this big buck. It's like, what's, what's first a big of all, buck? what's big? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Second of all, I don't even know if this guy's this full of shit or what, you know. So it's, that's tough. Yeah, that's 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 a funny though. Right? It's funny. I've even had people reach out to me and be like, "You should chase this deer." You know, I heard about this here, and I'm like, I don't want to go down like you know chasing something that's not even real or it's not even in this county or whatever. And it's just like I don't know, but it is kind of funny when you do learn those those things. And well, and uh, I just had that situation today actually with seeing a picture of sheds that were sent. It's like they found these sheds here, and I'm like. I, I know and it's an area that I spent a lot of time and I'm like, I really feel like I would know if this deer was there, but I, I yeah. think that's the kind of a tale of, you know, this person told this person told that yep. person. And then the story gets mixed up and it's for sure. Fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You just never know exactly what, you know, I, you know, it's funny too. Like when someone tells me something, even if it's like true and it's sweet, like, I don't even want to, I don't want people to tell me anything when it comes to that stuff because it's like, I want to find my own stuff. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I was talking to Jason, uh, on the phone, the timber ninja guy. Yeah. And, and we were talking about Iowa and he said he came down here and he's like, Hey man, I'll, I'll send you the, I'll send you the point, some of the points and stuff that I hunted and, you know, just being a nice guy. And I, and I was just like, no, oh, just save your points, dude. Like, I just don't want, I don't want yeah. anyone's, you know what I mean? But I don't know. I don't know if you're the same way when it comes well, to that. Yeah, I don't want, <laughs> sure I don't are. want, well, the thing is, I don't want anybody telling me where they hunt because then I, I feel like I'm not allowed to go there. Yep. Or I don't want to go there because they're there. Yep. And I, and if I happen to come across a place that somebody else is hunting, like I found it on my own, it's its own thing versus someone tells me that I'm like, I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm not going to go to someone else's spot, you know, sort of speak. And that's, that's where I struggle with, with that. I'd rather people leave all that information out as far as like, if they're telling me about it, like we're there hunting or doing like, I just, I don't want to know. Cause then that automatically crosses that off from a place that I can go to. No, for sure. Yeah. That's the same way for me. Yeah. Uh, well, Anyways, Curtis, for somebody that doesn't uh, doesn't like to talk on the podcast, I feel like you you uh, opened up on here and and uh, talked pretty good. So a little bit, you know. I mean, at first it was a little shaky, but I'm all right now. I'm all right yeah. now. Awesome. Well, thank you for for coming on. I really do appreciate it and and taking the time out of your day to to do that. And and uh, I'm excited to. To see how the rest of your season goes as we tax back and forth as far as scouting goes because i'm i'm gonna be hitting it hard yeah only got one march of 2023 i like that yep same here dude i i mean i look forward to seeing what you get going on over in pennsylvania there and uh i mean i appreciate you having me on the podcast even though i didn't want to do it really but i appreciate <laughs> i appreciate you having me on i respect yeah. i respect you a lot so i appreciate it I pr- uh, that's mutual and what so do you have a new film coming out soon um yeah so i got a i got a video coming out um on my 2021 minnesota buck that i killed 
Um, I came down here for seven. I was living in Wisconsin at the time. I came here for seven days and ended up shooting them on the last day. Um, that one's coming out soon. I'm in the process of editing it yet. Um, and that'll be on our YouTube channel. And then we got we got quite a few videos coming too that are going to be pretty good. So awesome, yeah! So everybody check out behind the bow YouTube, Instagram, all of those places, or any anywhere else that you want to direct anybody to check out. YouTube and Instagram's good. Yeah. Cool. All right, I'll, I'll put the I'll put the links in the show notes there. But um, yeah, again, thanks for coming on, buddy. Yep, thanks a lot, Bo. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.